We meet today in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1 to verse 29. This chapter has the applause of heaven, integrity, kindness, and gentleness. We find here the fatal effects of hastiness, impatience, wrath, and laziness. Then there are warnings of punishments awaiting false witnesses, disobedient children, and scoffers. The story unfolds with the devout and prudent axioms and remarks of a more general nature. Now the Lord has forbidden us to call anyone a fool, but the Spirit of God has really been using that word. Apparently, there are quite a few fools in the human family today. Here is Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1 to verse 3. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he who sins, who hastens with his feet, the foolishness of a man twists his ways, and his heart frets against the Lord. Now, there is an antithetic parallelism here. All through these Proverbs, here is a contrast between those who are the children of God and those who are not. The one in the path of truth, the other who is in the path of self-will and ignorance. God calls that one a fool. We have a modern proverb where ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be wise. This is a false proverb, my friend. Sometimes people, even officers of the church, pride themselves on being ignorant of the Bible. In a church board meeting, I have heard church leaders speak out saying, well, that is theological, that is biblical, and I don't know much about it. My friend, why in the world don't you know about it? You are a mature man, you are a mature woman, you are even a leader in the church, and you should not be that devoid of spiritual understanding. I do not think a man can be truly educated if he is ignorant of the word of God, the Bible. Certainly, one cannot be a mature Christian and be ignorant of the Bible. A knowledge of the word of God should be a characteristic of the child of God. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friends. Proverbs 19 verse 4. Now, wealthy people seem to have a lot of friends, by the way. Their houses are full of guests. So long as the refrigerator is filled and the bar is well stocked and there is music and entertainment in the house. Now, it is interesting to note that the word of God admonishes the child of God to seek out the poor. You will remember that James, in a practical way, he speaks of a man who comes into your assembly and he says he will be with gold rings in fine apparel and they should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. This is recorded in James 2 verse 2 and verse 3. That should not be the way a child of God behaves. A child of God should even bring in the poor. 
Unfortunately, it is true that the poor man has his problems in many ways and in many of our churches. Human nature has not changed down through the centuries. The old nature is still being revealed. There are a lot of people who are stepping out, going to church and moving in the society of their particular group whose old nature is showing. And it shows in matters like separating the poor from the society. God lays it on the line, doesn't he? The poor is separated from his neighbor. When they find out you are a poor boy, they don't want you around. That is unfortunate. And a child of God ought to learn from this admonition from the proverb. A false witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies will not escape. Proverbs 19 verse 5. Now drop down to verse 9 of the same chapter and see that it is almost the same statement. It says, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who speaks lies shall perish. A false witness is not going to escape. He will be found out. He will be called to account for what he has said. Not only that, he is going to perish. God tells us that even in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. They will perish. We think of Ahab and Jezebel in connection with the episode of Naboth's vineyard. The record is in First Kings chapter 21 and 22. Because Naboth would not give up his vineyard to the king. The arrangements were made to have false witnesses bring up an untrue charge against him and then stone him to death. Ahab thought he got away with his crime, but Elijah the man of God met him and told him that where Naboth's innocent blood had been shed, the dogs will lick his blood. What happened was this. Ahab went into battle against Syria with Jehoshaphat in alliance with him. Ahab put Jehoshaphat out in front, wearing his royal robes. But Ahab disguised himself as a common soldier to escape notice. But a trigger, happy soldier on the enemy side, drew a bow at a venture. He didn't even know who he was aiming at. But that old arrow, you see, had Ahab's name on it. When it went out from the bow with the zing, it said, Ahab, where are you? I am looking for you. And it found him, my friend. He bled like a stuck pig and he died. The blood ran out of the wound into the chariot. Now we read in First Kings chapter 22, verse 38, Then someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood while the hallows bathed according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken. Isn't this amazing, my friend? You say that is crude and frightful. I agree it may be. But lying, false witnessing and gossip in God's sight are really frightful and God hates them. That is why this proverb applies here. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Proverbs 19 verse 6 Many entreat the favor of the nobility, 
and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. Many entreat the favor of the prince or of nobility. Now, we don't have a prince, but we actually write letters to our members of parliament, to our senators, to our governors, and sometimes even to our presidents when we want legislation passed. Now, we are told, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. That is certainly true. A man will have plenty of friends as long as he is giving out gifts. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. Proverbs 19 verse 7 The brothers of the poor may not hate him as we think of hateful behavior. Often they just don't have anything to do with him. They ignore him. You see, a prosperous man may see his near-do-well brother drive up in an old jalop in a... And so he says to his wife, Let's get into the bathroom and lock the doors and make him think that we are not at home. Why? Because they don't want him to bother them. They may be thinking he is coming to borrow something. That is what it means to hurt your brother. The poor don't do very well in this world, by the way. Proverbs 19 verse 13. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Our proverb about this matter said that when a man finds a wife, he has found a good thing. That is, he finds the other half of himself, and she is to be a helpmate for him. She is not to be a servant. Where do people get the idea that the wife is to obey the husband? The wife is to submit herself to her husband, provided he is the right kind of a man. If he is not, I don't think God has asked her to submit herself. The only instruction I find about submission apply to the Christian home. A wife is to submit to a Christian husband who loves her just like Christ loves the church. When a woman has that kind of a husband, she can submit herself to him. This proverb almost makes one laugh even though it tells of a tragic situation. Think of the poor husband who has a foolish son and also has a wife who is contentious. You can imagine what kind of a home he lives in. That is why it is so wonderful to find the right kind of a wife. And that right kind of a wife will also determine the kind of a son who will come out of the home. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You see, houses and riches, which in themselves are not the assurance of happiness, may come to many people, may come to anyone, by matter of cause, as an ancestral inheritance. However, a prudent wife comes not by matter of chance or descent, but directly from the Lord. We also find that in Proverbs 18 verse 22, Genesis 24 verse 14. Now, the word prudent describes not only her wise governing of the household, 
alluded to in Proverbs 31 verse 27. But it is also talking of her godly wisdom. Proverbs 8 verse 12. That wisdom makes her a joy and a strength to her husband rather than his trouble and disgrace. If you have a good wife, you got her from the Lord. You ought to thank the Lord for her, by the way. Have you ever done that? Thank the Lord for your good wife because he is the one who gave her to you. I thank God for my wife. Young men, this should tell you something. Do you want a good wife? The one who gives away good wives is not the father or the daughter. No, no, no. Many a father is glad to get rid of his daughter. But our Heavenly Father has a lot of good wives to give away. Keep in touch with Him, and He will lead you to the right one. He wants to give you the right kind of a wife. This is a very practical proverb, my friend. Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. Proverbs 19 verse 18. You see, leaving a child to himself is to show cruel indifference to the precious life committed to parental care. It is better for the child to cry under the rod of loving and consistent correction than that the parents should let her cry over their permissive and neglectful discipline. You see, the charge here is to start with your discipline when the children are young. Don't wait until it is too late. Start when the children are young. Don't mind if the little boy cries when you paddle him. On the other hand, every father needs to be very careful in the way that he deals with his children, with his child. Don't be afraid of discipline, but a brutal punishment is not to be permitted. Brutality can only tear down the child and destroy his spirit. As a matter of fact, even the law of the land can and should step in whenever there is brutality to children. God has given very definite commands for Christians here. He tells children to obey their parents in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. But then he says to the fathers, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Ephesians 6 verse 4. In other words, don't word into them when you are angry. They know you are angry and that you are just venting your anger and frustration. At that time, you will probably punish too hard. In fact, you can be brutal. The command is to bring them up in the nature and admonition of the Lord. That is the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. Now this verse portrays the contrast between man's finite wisdom and power and the limitless wisdom and power of God. Even evidenced in Second Samuel 15 verse 31. God's plans or counsel always succeed because he has the necessary power to bring them about and because they are right. Men's plans are many 
and uncertain. God's counsel is characterized by unity of purpose and immutability of design. Uh, Psalm 89 verse 2. Men cannot hide human counsel from God, but God's counsel is beyond the understanding of men, except as God opens it to him, as Romans chapter 11 verse 33. Man's own way is marked by selfishness, folly and uncertainty. Though man devises his own way, his steps ultimately are not under his control. Psalm 33 verse 10 and verse 11. So the person who refuses to follow the Lord's counsel as it is found in scripture pursues a foolishness. Deuteronomy 32 verse 28 and 29. See, the Bible is full of clear directions from God concerning practical Christian living. And Jesus in his life applied those principles perfectly to give us an example. God's counsel is immutable. Hebrews 6 verse 17. God's counsel is faithful, is wonderful, is great, is sovereign and eternal. Now, a biblical counselor is most importantly one who gives advice based on scripture. God works even now through godly men and women who have saturated themselves with the word of God which provide God's answers to the problems of life, and which have the power to restore broken and burdened individuals to full, productive, happy lives. Godly counsel is built upon the foundational premise that there is an infinite and personal God who has revealed himself through his written word, the Bible, and through the living word, Jesus Christ. Godly counsel is not man-centered, that is, doing things one's way, controlling one's behavior by his own feelings or thoughts. Rather, God's counsel is God-centered, that is, going God's way, regardless of what one wants or thinks. Isn't that amazing? What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Proverbs 19 verse 22. Now this is a strange proverb, isn't it? What is desired in a man is kindness. Now how many people do you know like that? They are kind, generous, they are lovely people. Then we are brought back to the poor man, the poor relative who comes for dinner and stays for a couple of years to live with you. Well, it is better to have this person than to have a liar. Isn't that amazing? You would rather have someone come and stay with you when they are poor but are not lying to you. A liar is not desired. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Proverbs 19 verse 23. Now, the fear of the Lord does not mean that you are cringing constantly in dread or living a life of terror. This proverb makes it very clear that the real fear of God means that you can rest satisfied. It means that you recognize God and you have looked to him, you have accepted him, and you want to follow him 
now you can rest satisfied. Proverbs 19 verse 24. A lazy man buries his hand in the bower and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. <laughs> this again is a humorous proverb. This man is so lazy that he can put his hand down into the dish to pick food, but he is too lazy to bring it back up to his mouth to eat. Now, when you get to that place, my friend, you are really lazy. Unfortunately, we often see this even in the spiritual sense. The word of God is our food. Now, I know Christians who will hold the Bible in their hands, but are even too lazy to read it. I know people who may even take Bibles and pillow them, but are not uh, hardworking enough to read God's word. Some will simply sit in church and even open the Bible, but not read. Please, don't be that lazy. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. Proverbs 19 verse 29. You see, judgment is coming. That is quite obvious. God is not soft on the guilt. The pleasures of sin are for a season, but the wages of sin last for all eternity and judgment will come. So my friend, do not look upon sin with favor any longer. Today is the day of your salvation. Turn away from sin. Repent. And God will accept you. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org